0: In book three of his meditations, Marcus Aurelius is going to introduce a practice, essentially a cognitive practice that we ought to use, as he says, throughout our life in order to be able to respond to things more rationally, more freely. And we're going to see an example of this besides the examples he provides there. In book six as well, in that famous passage where he talks about wine being just grape juice and purple robes as being wool dyed with the blood or the extrusion of a shellfish. And we'll come to that in a bit, but what is the general idea? So he tells us that we should always, so the translation here is define whatever it is that we perceive to trace its outline. A little bit more literally, we should always make for ourselves, poies right? So right? is poising to to make to create to do and then it's middle voice so it's for ourselves a definition a horon literally the boundary of things right so this is a technical term or an outline, hupographene, right? Graphene is to write or to put things on a chalkboard, whatever it is going to be. And so hupo around the thing, right? Of what makes appearances, phantastu, whatever it is that is producing the appearances that we run into. Now, phantasia is a very important technical term in Stoic philosophy. It's translated, as appearances, as perceptions here in Hayes's translation, as impressions. It can also be translated as imagination because Fantasia is the faculty of imagination. So from the Stoic perspective, we're constantly being bombarded with appearances of Things Right. And appearances could be true or they could be false. They could be illusory. They could correspond to what it is that is there. And so Marcus goes on and he tells us that what we want to do is see what it really is. It's substance. Katusian, in accordance with the kind of thing that it really happens to be. Naked, gumnos, sort of like stripped down is another way of thinking about it. This is the word we get gymnastics from. As a whole and unmodified, right? So holon di holon, the whole as a whole or the whole through the whole. And the term that he's going to use there, remenos, right? So we're keeping the thing, we're dividing it up, we're trying to figure out what it is. This is very evocative language here, right? And then he goes on and introduces another consideration. So we have, you could say, figuring out what's actually there, not being misled by the fantasia, the appearances, and then using language correctly, calling it by its proper name, onama'otu, right? So its actual name, not just the things that we come up with as euphemisms or as kind of cliches, and the names in plural of its constituents the things that'll be broken down into. And the word used there is actually a verb of analysis, like the unbinding of things. So we're carrying out an analysis before it's actually analyzed physically into its parts. And so he says, nothing is so conducive to spiritual growth. Now, spiritual growth there is translating a term, Megala Frosunes, poetic productive of Megala Frosunes. So Megala is great. And then Frosunes is coming from friends, fronesis. these things that are connected with our mind, our practical intellect, you could say, if you want to. And, you know, of course, this is also suggestive of another very close term that we often translate magnanimity or high-mindedness. Megalopsycheis, right? Megalophrosunes and Megalopsycheis are kind of similar to each other. So nothing is more productive of that, he says, as the capacity for logical and accurate analysis of everything that happens to us. So logical and accurate analysis, to elenken. Now, elenkos and elenken is usually used for arguing against something, for refuting something, for showing up its weaknesses, its failures, its gaps, right? So it's a kind of analysis that's a critical analysis, right? And, toalenken hodo, so in accordance with a hodos, a road, a path, a method, you could say, kai aletheia, so accurate here, truthful would be closer, in truth or with truth, hekaston, of each thing of the matters that we're being confronted with and so he says to look at it in such a way that we understand so here's where we get to all the different matters the need it fulfills the 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 use that it has right what else in what kind of world, in what kind of arrangement, a cosmos. It's value to the world as a whole, to the entirety of the world, and to human being, anthropos, in particular as a citizen of that higher city of which all other cities are mere households. So the Stoics thought of, you know, there being a vast commonwealth, a world city cosmopolites in which we are all citizens along with the gods, the other rational beings. So that's one thing that we could think of. We could also ask, well, what kind of thing is it What type, what is this thing that is in front of us, right? What is it made of? That's another question. How long was it designed to last? I mean, this can save us from a lot of grief, right? If we expect things that are rather ephemeral to last for us for a very long time, eh, we're probably setting ourselves up for some unhappiness. Very interesting, what qualities, it's being translated here, tinos aretes, what kind of virtue, what kind of goodness pros auto rea is needed for this kind of use. Translated here, do I need to bring to bear on it? And he lists off a bunch of positive qualities, tranquility, courage, honesty, trustworthiness, straightforwardness, independence, or what? What do I need to do in order to handle this thing well? And then he talks about what things are due to or in accordance with. Is it the gods who brought something out, uh, you know, who produced something, who are the causes of it? Is it the interweavings and intertwinings, the word there is this uh, simploque, of fate to coincidence? or a chance or This is due to a human being, someone of the same race, the same birth, the same society, who doesn't know what nature requires of him, but I do, so I'll treat him, so this is the the virtue, I'll treat him with the law that binds us, what the law of nature requires, with kindness and with justice. This is how we handle things that are done by human beings. If it's done by the gods, or just you know chance or necessity, eh, not a lot of point in getting pissed off about that, right, and getting worked up. But if it's due to human beings, we can also say, well, This is the kind of thing that human beings do. And then he says, what about inconsequential things? I'll do my best to treat them as they deserve, as inconsequential things, right? And so a very interesting set of observations there that we can put into practice all the time. And I would argue that what is going on in Book 6, in this famous passage, Chapter 13, is illustrating one set of examples of this. And interestingly, this passage begins by talking about grasping appearances. Fantasian lambane right? Grasping what is in front of us, seizing upon it. And then it says, here's the examples of it, roasted meat and other dishes in front of you. And then realizing to yourself, like carrying out this analysis, what is an actual dish? Well, it's a dead animal. (laughs) He says, this is a dead fish, a dead bird, a dead pig, right? It's a corpse of something. And we're going to eat that up. might be tasty, but you know, it's just a dead thing. Wine, what is wine? Wine or any other liquor is just fermented stuff from grapes or grain or milk or whatever it is that you're fermenting. Purple robes. Now purple robes were a big deal back in antiquity because in order to get the color purple, you had to collect these shellfish and get the mucus from them. And it took a lot of time and work. So purple was a very expensive color to wear and to have a purple robe, this is just wool dyed with shellfish blood or having sex, some rubbing, a brief seizure, and a little cloudy liquid. Now, that's kind of a funny way to talk about it. But, you know, if you think about all the stuff that people do invest in sex and attraction and sexuality, you know, they say that the biggest organ is the brain. I mean, on a physical level, there's not a hell of a lot going on now. There is there. We invest it with all of this importance and all of this intentionality, right? So these are important. So he says what we need to do is latch onto to and penetrate into the substance for all of these appearances. Cathic noumeni, and d-x-u-c-i, right? So figure out what kind of usia, what kind of substance the thing actually is. He says, we need to do this all the time, all through our lives. When things lay claim to our trust, lay them bare. See how valueless they actually are. Strip away the legend, and interestingly, the word there, historia, the story that's being told about them, the narrative, the, we could say, social investing, right strip that stuff away the brand name and we can see things for how they really are and then we won't be taken in by them and we will be able to have the right responses to them and deal with them in a way that's befitting to a rational human being special thanks to all of my patreon supporters for making this podcast possible